Um, it's such a joy for me every time that I get the opportunity to share um, with family, to share in this house, in this local church, because this is honestly, um, I always say to my parents and to my friends, if it wasn't for two things, I wouldn't be here. Number one, the outrageous grace of Jesus, and number two, the incredible grace of the local church. And I've been able to, as a son, grow in this house. I've been able to mature in this house. I've been able to find freedom in this house. Um, and God's been able to shape me and mold me and transform me in this house. So every time that I get an opportunity to share and preach, it's so dear to me and I take it as such a privilege um, because a lot of you have watched me grow. Um, and so what a joy. So thank you for opening your hearts to receive what I'm going to share this morning. Um, and I, I really do believe that it's something that if we would just catch as a group of people, as a local church, um, it's going to shift a whole lot more than just your individual life. Um, and, and that's what we're going to get into. So I just, I'm going to pray quickly for me. You're just praying for me, so you can also reach out your hands. Father, I just thank you for the privilege and the joy of loving the church, of loving the bride, of serving the bride, of equipping the bride. I just thank you right now for your Holy Spirit to come and just totally possess me right now. Thank you that your anointing would come and rest on my tongue, Lord Jesus. Thank you that you would speak what only you want to say today, Lord God, that you would silence every other voice that I would hear from you this morning. So I just love you, I honor you, I yield to you, I thank you for an activation right now in the spirit in my heart, Lord Jesus. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Okay, turn to your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 2. We're going to read from verse 19. Keep your finger there. Are you ready? I'm going to talk over the next two weeks. I'm doing part one today. I'm doing part two next weekend. And I'm going to talk about the church. I'm going to talk about what the local church is. I'm going to talk about uh, what the church has become and what it should be. I believe that one of the saddest things that's happened right now what we're facing as the people of God, not just here in Johannesburg, but all across the world, is that there is a great disconnection in the people of God from the story of God. Let me say that again. One of the saddest things that's happening right now in the church across the world is there is a disconnection in the people of God from the story of God. What do I mean by that? I mean that there's a whole lot of people that are living their lives and doing the things, and instead of worship, there's now form and tradition and routine, and they don't actually know what it means to be spiritual, and so now they live their lives totally separate, not even knowing what God is doing, not even aware of what Holy Spirit is doing in the nations, not just in your own life, but corporately as a local church in your city, in your homes, uh, in your nation, and in the nations around the world. We are so disconnected from the story of God and so consumed with ourselves that we miss what God's doing on the big picture. You hear what I'm saying? How do I know this? Because what happens is when there's that disconnection, suddenly the church begins to become more external than it is internal. And when externalism comes into the church, suddenly it becomes institutional. What do I mean by institutional? I mean that things like form and tradition and function start to take the place of family and worship and true spirituality. I mean that there starts to be systems and things and programs that start to externally motivate believers to be something rather than being motivated by Jesus Christ himself who lives inside of you. What happens is when we begin to become external as, a, as the people of God, we disconnect ourselves from the story of God. And so now the church, local churches all across the earth are trying to build a brand rather than building the church. So what happens is suddenly you get your vision and your dream for what you think the kingdom should be doing, and you're putting together system structures and programs to advance that rather than actually saying, God, what is your story that you're building and advancing? What's your dream for this city? If God's called you to a city, the fact that you are in Johannesburg today means that God has called you here. It's not by default. It's not because you found work here. It's not even because your home's here, your family's here. It's because God has strategically placed you in a city because he's called you to a city. Let me encourage you with this quick statement. The call of God on your life does not separate you from the rest. Your response to the call does. Every single one of you have a call to be a revivalist. Every single one of you have a call to lead, to be in the forefront of a generation, to see a, a nation transformed, to see your spheres of influence turned upside down. Every single one of you have that call, but that's not what separates you. What separates you is your response to the call. Your yes to Jesus is what separates you. And so the church, we've got to understand that what separates us from the world is our yes to Jesus. If the church is not in a place of surrender where our yes to Jesus is louder than anything else, then we start to look like the world, which is what we're seeing right now. Okay, let's get into this. 
I was listening to um, the lead elder, senior pastor of Jesus Culture, his name's Banning Liebscher, and he preached, honestly, one of the most phenomenal preachers I've heard in a long time on the local church. And so there's been a couple of things from that preach that has triggered um, what I'm going to share with you this morning, and I, I really do believe that it's so relevant and it's a now word for the local church. Uh, and, and the title of his preach, which I want to share this little concept now, he says, the church is a family not a business. How many of you in this room woke up this morning and said, I really want to go to a consumer-driven church? None of you, right? No one in this room wakes up on a Sunday morning and gets super pumped to go to a consumer-driven church. It's not in your heart. So I'm not talking about a heart thing here. I'm talking about a perspective thing this morning. Every single one of you want to be a part of a family, but we don't realize that actually we're contributing to a system that is a consumer-driven mindset. It's a consumer-driven uh, organization. What do I mean by that? The church has had to so externally motivate believers to follow Jesus that we've missed what it actually means to believe. We need programs and systems and structures and organizations to motivate believers to actually follow Jesus. Are you hearing what I'm saying this morning? Let me ask you this question. If there wasn't a home group structure in the church, would you do community together? If there wasn't home groups in the midweek, would you actually do life with anybody in this room? See, here's the thing. Let's not build something that's a facade and that's actually not real. Let's make sure that we're building something that Jesus is building, which stands for eternity. Here's what you've got to understand. If the doors of this building had to close, the church should still be standing. If you need a home group structure to make you do community and do life with somebody, then that whole system is actually worth nothing anyway. You may as well shut the whole thing down. If your home group is the only thing that brings you into community with each other, if your home group, a system that you know ticks the box of what you think is the right thing to be doing, if that's the way that we do community, we've missed the whole thing. The church was never an institution. It's always been about family. God is not building an institution. He's building a family. God is not raising up an army of soldiers. There's a hot response to us where we want to be soldiers for Jesus, but he didn't die for soldiers. He didn't die for servants. He died for sons and daughters. And when I'm a son and when I'm a daughter and I live in that intimacy with Jesus, the mindset of a soldier, the mindset of a servant comes upon me because I want to advance the kingdom on behalf of my dad. But he didn't die for that. He didn't die for employees. He died for sons and daughters. He died for a family that begin to look like him because when they gather, they become something greater than themselves. Because all the expressions of Jesus are manifest in each one of us. Every single one of us come together and express the nature of God in a way that only you can. And when we do that and we come together, suddenly heaven comes a little closer to earth. Suddenly heaven is being advanced. Everywhere that we go, every step that we take as a family, the kingdom is being advanced. It's not about systems. It's not about structures. And the day has come for those things to die. The day has come for the institutional church to finally fall so that the true church can actually stand up and do what God's called us to do. And here's another thing that I want to encourage you with. Be very, very careful that you don't look at your leaders and put an expectation on them to build something that you can call your Christian life, but it costs you nothing. Did you hear what I said? Be very careful that you don't look at your leaders, put an expectation on them to build something that you can call your Christian life, but it costs you nothing. See, it's so easy to attend a church that has a whole lot of programs and systems that do a whole lot. It looks real fancy. It looks like things are getting done, but you have no part in it. But because you attend and sit there on a Sunday, you get to call that your Christian life, and you have no depth, no relationship, no intimacy with Jesus, and it's false salvation. We need to hear this, church, because this is what's going to activate us to actually be who God's called us to be. I'm sharing this from the deepest love, the deepest cry of my heart, because I know this is what God's saying to the church right now. We cannot get together and do routine Sunday services anymore. We cannot get together and come in a midweek at home group, and that's the only time that I see you, and we get there and we go through the same thing that we do every week, same discussion, same little routine. It doesn't work. It's false. It's fake. It's not real. Let me give you a good example. Somebody comes to the church and says, man, how do I get plugged in? How do I get connected here? Invite someone for dinner. 
grab coffee with each other. Together, go on lunch breaks and go pray for people in shopping malls like these guys are doing. Do life together. Oh, no, you don't understand what I'm talking about. I'm talking about, don't you have like a small group program or a home group program? If you need a system to do community, it's fake and it's false and it's not God. How do we build community? How do we build family? By actually doing life together. And guess what that means? It's going to cost you. It actually means that you have to say no to something to create the time to build family. You have to invest. I don't know about you, but with my family, when we want to spend family time together, all of us are busy. We all have to make a sacrifice and choose to actually be together at that time. You have to value something more than what, what, you have to value that more than what you were going to do. It costs. Another, Another good example. Maybe someone comes up in the church and says, what does the church do for the poor? I don't know what you do for the poor. No, no, man, you misunderstand me. What does the church do for the poor? I don't know what you do for the poor. I don't know what all these people in the room do for the poor. What are you doing for the poor? Because guess what? The church is you and I, every single one of us. If you're waiting for a system and a program that's going to achieve something that you can call your Christian life, you've missed the whole thing. See, if that's where you're at this morning, you probably find you're an externally motivated Christian and it's a false sense of spirituality. It's not real. See, God wants the church to mature. God wants to see maturity in the bride. God's heart is to mature you. Let me explain something to you. Only family think that way. Only family think about maturity. I'll give you a good example. I was a little boy once. And I, yes, I was. Yes. I was quite cute as well. I was actually a pretty beefy baby, but anyway. I was a little boy in my parents' home, and if it were up to me, I wouldn't brush my teeth. I'd go to bed whenever I wanted to. I'd eat junk food only. And as I begin to grow up, what are they doing? They're creating an environment where they're beginning to teach and shape and mold and show me things. And as I'm growing in that, I'm beginning to mature to the point where at first they have to externally motivate me and say, Connor, go and brush your teeth right now. Okay, go brush my teeth. But eventually it gets to a place where I start to brush my teeth on my own. Nobody has to tell me to go do that. What's that called? Maturity. Maturity only happens in family. It doesn't happen in an institution. Maturity doesn't happen in a business and it certainly doesn't happen in a restaurant. Maturity happens when we get together and we hold each other accountable for who God's actually created us to be. For example, if Grant hasn't looked like Jesus more in the last six months, he's he needs family that stand around him and say, hey man, you don't, look at, you don't look more like Jesus than you did six months ago. There's a stunt in your maturity. We need to find the problem and actually deal with it. Let's grow together. For me, if, if I'm not looking more like Jesus tomorrow than I was today, I expect my family to get around me and encourage me and spur me on into who God's called me to be because that's where I'm supposed to be. It's maturity. Only family think like this. You see, what the church has become is it's become a restaurant where people come together and it's what's on the menu today. We come and we sit in services and we're expecting to see that, that our needs are going to be met, that I'm going to feel good, that the service is going to be great. How's the service today? You know, Connor was a little too animated this morning, and so it wasn't a great service. We drive away from church. Oh, man, the sound was really not that great today. In fact, the drum kit fell apart, and oh, it just really disturbed me, and I wasn't comfortable. And, and Connor was hitting some big topics, and it was just, I didn't feel... It's not a restaurant. You know, if I... If I go to a restaurant and I sit down and they bring me water and they bring me bread or whatever when I'm waiting, that's all cool. You know, if I went home with the same mindset with my mom, I'd get the quickest backhand you guys have ever seen. I'd go there, Mom, where's my water? Get your own water. Why do we come to the church and treat the church like a business or like a restaurant rather than thinking like a family? I want to honor Luke because this dude's been cleaning the church with me for the last couple of weeks. And this guy, this guy comes on Thursdays just because he loves the church and washes the toilets and cleans out the junk and stuff. And what I love is that he's not passionate about toilets. Let me make something clear. Luke doesn't have a vision for toilets. He doesn't come to church super pumped and passionate because God has called me to wash toilets. So why does he do it? Because he's passionate about family. Because he's got vision for family. Because he's got a heart for family. Because he knows that the beloved, the bride, are going to be getting together and it would be nice that they have clean toilets. 
it should, be, it should be virtually impossible for you to call yourself family and sit on the fringes of the church and not get involved and do the things that are family things, to value the things that God's called us to do. You can't call yourself family and not pay a price. There's a cost. Are you guys okay? See, this thing with being externally motivated and building an institution, it stunts maturity because it removes personal responsibility. You cannot build a family without personal responsibility. See, external Christianity is that I can come and attend a church that do a whole lot of stuff, but I actually don't do anything, but I can call that my Christian life. There's no personal responsibility on me to actually do anything. I'm just watching other people do it and calling that my own, and it's fake. But internally motivated believers have had a transformation of heart. They've had a transformation in their spirit. They're motivated by Holy Spirit himself. They don't have to be asked to do something. They do it because he's inside of them. They don't need systems and programs and structures to motivate them to be a Christian. You shouldn't need systems and programs to motivate you to follow Jesus. You should have a relationship with Jesus that motivates you from here. The reason why I love this church and this bride is not because we have a whole lot of successful systems and things. We don't. I love this bride because it's my family. I'm in love with Jesus. He's the head of the bride. It's impossible for me to love Jesus and not love the church. It's impossible for me to serve Jesus and not serve the church. For a lot of us, we've been in this place, and, and I'm, I'm talking to us here, but it's, it's a, it's a, this is a much bigger scale. This is all over the world where this is happening. The church has become so institutional that it, we've, leaders have had to design the church around fulfilling the needs of the people to keep them there based on this false sense of success, and we've missed the story and the plan and the dream of God for His people. You've got to understand that you coming to church every Sunday is not just a little routine, mundane thing where we tick a box and come and I get to, you know, it's a status thing and I come to 24-7 church or whatever, or I've got a couple friends there. We've got to get over that. It's not about the goosebumps. It's not about all the traditions. And, and You get together on a Sunday because God is doing something across the earth. The bride is being equipped to look like Him because He is changing the earth. He is turning the world upside down through His body. Through his body, not through anything else, through his body. It's no use talking about revival, but never seeing it because the very vehicle that Jesus chose to use it is in tatters. The vehicle for revival is the local church. It's what God designed. And it just starts with a few people. Every revival in history started with a couple hungry people after a meeting that decided to stay a little longer. Revival starts with a couple people that are so hungry for God to do what he's doing, what we know he wants to do, to see the dreams of God and call them, to see what's not seen in the natural, to call it forth. A group of people that get together and begin to dream the way that God dreams, that lay down your own dreams, lay down your own visions, lay down your own plans, and begin to say, God, what is your dream for my home? What is your dream for my family? What is your dream for my church? What is your dream for my city? What is your dream for our nation? And what is your dream across the nations? And how do I fit? Where have you put me? Where have you placed me? Where have you strategically uh, put me so that I can serve, so that I can equip, so that I can be a part of something bigger than myself? It's not an institution. It's not about me. It's about him. It's about him. I want to be an internally motivated believer. I don't want to be externally motivated. You okay? I promise you guys, if we catch this, we're going to look like something so beautiful. It shouldn't matter if we met in here or outside next to a tree. It should be as much of a family moment, as much of a time of worship and, and equipping and teaching and prayer. If you looked at, at the church globally right now, if you take away their marketing system, their buildings, these massive buildings, you take away their pamphlets, you take away all that stuff, you take away their media. How does the church grow? It worries me that there's a pressure on leaders to build marketing campaigns 
to grow a local church. The church was never meant to grow by man-made methods and systems. It wasn't meant to do that. Guess how it's meant to grow? By the Spirit of God. I want to read you a quote quickly by E.M. Bounds. This quote is incredible. I'll read you two, two or three of these quotes. Listen to this. This is a guy called E.M. Bounds. He lived in the late 1800s, early 1900s. Incredible revivalist, um, man of prayer. This guy dedicated himself to prayer and revival. That's all he wanted to see. And he was passionate about the church. Listen to this. Another scheme of Satan is to eliminate all the humble, self-denying ordinances that are offensive to unsanctified and unregenerate hearts. He seeks to reduce the church to a mere human institution, popular, natural, fleshly, and pleasing. The scheme of Satan. Listen to what he says next. What the church needs today is not better machinery, not new organizations or better methods, but men and women whom the Holy Spirit can use. People of prayer. Not better methods, not better systems, not better machinery. Men and women that the Holy Spirit can use. Holy Spirit does not flow through methods, but through men. He does not anoint methods and plans, but men and women of God. The church has never been designed to grow by man's methods and plans. God never, he's never anointed a method or a plan. He's always anointed men and women who are prepared to be filled by Holy Spirit. Guess what? Healthy church growth is when every single one of us gets so full of Jesus, so full of Holy Spirit, that we are following after him, internally motivated to to follow after Jesus, to be a part of the bride, and we begin to reproduce heaven by actually making disciples, not putting the expectation on our church leaders to make disciples. It's enough now of everybody having a reason and an excuse and some kind of opinion as to why the church isn't growing and should be growing. Because you are the church. The church is meant to grow because every single one of us are actually making disciples. When was the last time that you sat down with a group of people and actually discipled them? Here's a good example. My neighbor gets saved, so I come to church. Where's the new believers course? In your living room. And guess who's leading it? I anoint you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. (laughs) Can you see how far we've gone from this picture? Oh, my neighbor got saved. I need the pastor to pray for them. Susie Matuetwe is sick in hospital, and I need the pastor to come and pray for her. Are you not children of God? Are we not the family of God? Have we not been possessed by Holy Spirit? If not, come to the front, fall on your face, and he'll fill you. But if you're a Christian, if you're a believer, if you've, if you've given your life to Jesus and he's inside of you, then it's time to start looking like him. It's time to start reproducing heaven. It's time to realize that there is something so much greater than my little individual life, but that God is on the move, that God has a dream for the nations, and he's doing it through the local church. And guess what? That's you. He wants to make disciples through every single one of us because there are people that you can reach that I never will. And my job is not to make disciples of all your friends. My job is to make sure you're equipped to do that. The leadership in the church are here to equip you for the work of the ministry, not to do the work of the ministry. Of course, in my own individual life, every person that I meet, I'm trying to make disciples. But in in terms of the local church, the gift that God's put on my life and on the leadership in this church is to equip you to make disciples, to do the work of the ministry, and to see the kingdom advance. It's got to go beyond meetings. It's got to go beyond Sunday morning and Tuesday night or Wednesday night or Friday night, whatever home group you're at. It's got to go beyond that. It's got to be doing life together. One of the most refreshing things is Grant. I love the fact that he, he just sends a message, bro, I'm, you know, we're going to the, the mall to go and pray for people. Um, he sends it on the group, our home group. Just anyone pull in. We're just going to go and pray for people. I love that. And guess what? It, didn't, it wasn't just a week. He's still going. Because there's a, there's a fire inside of him that's motivating him. It's not an external motivation. And in fact, he's not even an extrovert. He's an introvert by nature. But Jesus has come and changed him, and now he's full and possessed with love to go make a difference. Now, our job is to equip him to make disciples, to make sure that he's got everything that he needs to preach the gospel. I'm just using you as an example, bro. So. Are you with me? We cannot come to church anymore with a restaurant or business mindset. 
We cannot come to church and put an expectation on leadership to build something that I can call my Christian life, but it costs me nothing. There's a cost to following Jesus. The gift of grace is free, but it'll cost you your whole life. It's the mystery of the gospel. You have to die to live. You have to surrender to win. It's free, but it'll cost you everything. This is the gospel. I think I had a scripture that I was going to read. <laughs> Ephesians 2. I got it here. I'm just... Okay, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Say household. I don't know about you, but that sounds like a family. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. What we are building, family, is a dwelling place for the Holy Spirit. Whether it's five of you in a coffee shop, 15 of you in home groups, or 100 of you in a service, we're building a dwelling place for the Holy Spirit. We're building a family that live, representing Him. They live according to a new and living way. It's not the same as the world. It looks different. It looks different. I'm going to use Grant again as another example. Grant comes to me and says, man, God's turned my life upside down in like two weeks. He's just on fire for Jesus. He's got this heart to just go and reach the lost. And when he took leave to go on a mission trip, I hope it's okay that I share this. When he took leave to go on a mission trip, um, his bosses and stuff were not happy with him when he got back to work. And for the next two weeks, it was pretty tough and they were quite hard on him. But he was just so full of Jesus, so full of Holy Spirit that he's just doing his work well, loving people, just doing, you know, just being Jesus wherever he goes. So much so that in two weeks, they sit him down again and say, dude, these last two weeks have been pretty incredible. Like, you're amazing, dude. Wow, wow. You've, you've, your work has been really, really brilliant. Um, and as he walks out of that office, in fact, they give him the bonus that they try to take away from him. But as he walks out of that office, God's saying to him, resign. <laughs> and what's incredible is all of us would say, you haven't heard from God. You've missed it, buddy. The right thing to do is that things are going well. You're going to start making more money. You're going to work your way up to the top of the ladder. That sounds more like God because that sounds like a blessed life. So he comes to me and he says, bro, like all this has happened and I'm actually feeling like God's telling me to resign. He's like, what do you think? And I'm like, sounds like the gospel. Why? Because there's a way that seems right to a man and his end is destruction. And there's, there's also a way and it's a new and living way and it's called Jesus Christ. It's the gospel. Why? There's a fire inside of him to reach people. There's a fire inside of him that he cannot contain. God is calling him to something far bigger than just fixing roofs. <laughs> Some angry faces here. What if your calling is a whole lot more than your job? Your, your reason for waking up this morning, your reason for existence is to do the work of the ministry. And whatever sphere of influence that God puts you in, as you're led by the Holy Spirit, when He puts you in those spheres of influence, that's your core. That's what God's placed you there to do. Making money is a byproduct. It's a joy. If I have it, yay. If I don't have it, who cares? I carry on. And I know what a lot of the older folk think is they go, dude, you're young, you haven't tied yourself down to a whole lot of things, and it's easy for you to say that. And I 100% agree with you, because it is harder, because for the older generation, majority of you have, have tied yourself down to things. But that doesn't mean that it's the end of it. That means that you've got to start making decisions that change your destiny. You've got to start making decisions. You've got to start saying no to things that cost you a lot so that you can see heaven in your life being advanced. I don't have my own house, so I don't have to pay that. But you've got to ask yourself the big questions and say, what are the things that are distracting me, that are taking away from what God has called me to do in my life, because I'm better off without them. And you've got to have the guts and the, the guts, <laughs> you've got to have the guts to go after this thing with everything. What makes a man drop his livelihood and follow Jesus? What makes a man drop everything that he's ever known to follow Jesus? This is what I want to encourage you with, guys. If we are just going to get together every Sunday and tick boxes, there's no point. We may as, we may as well close this thing down. 
If you are coming here to feel good about yourself, you've missed it. But if a group of people get together and begin to become aligned to the dream of God, a group of people that get together and begin to hunger and thirst for the outpouring of Holy Spirit everywhere that we go, not just in a feel-good goosebumps, in a manifestation of power and love everywhere that we go. When we get a group of people that begin to think that way, when we come together, we serve and equip each other. We love each other. We actually demonstrate love rather than just talking about it. Where you've got a, a group of people that come together and there's too many to actually do the cleaning of the church. It's awesome. It gets done in five minutes because there's 40 people doing it. We don't even need serving groups because everybody gets here at eight o'clock because they're so excited and pumped to be with Jesus and with family. Because there's something about the corporate experience with Jesus. Where home groups, the system of home groups becomes so silly to us because one night a week is disgraceful. If you're only okay to see me one night a week, you're gonna struggle in heaven because I'm gonna be in your face all the time. God wants to mature you, beloved. God wants to mature every single one of you and it is only family that think this way. If you're sitting here and, and you've got thoughts and opinions about how we should be doing systems and structures and whatever, bless you, I hope Holy Spirit encounters you because God is not looking for better systems and methods. He's looking for better men and women. When I say better men and women, I'm not talking about you trying to stop sinning and get, please, let's, let's move on from that. Better men and women, people who are prepared to make the big calls to go after Jesus. People who are prepared to sacrifice much so that they can actually be obedient. Next week, I'm gonna talk about being the church and we're gonna go more practically into that. But I just want us to have a perspective shift this morning. I want us to change the way that we approach church, the way that we look at church. If you wake up on a Sunday morning and you're not super pumped to be with family, ask yourself the big questions. If it takes a lot to get you out of your house to come to church, something's wrong. If home groups... Forget the system. Let's just say, if getting together as a family in the week is not a priority in your life, ask yourself the big questions. Are you externally motivated? Do you need somebody with a stick to make you do something? Or are you internally motivated because you have a relationship with Jesus? Because you know him and he's speaking inside of you. And because you know him and love him, you know the church and you love the church. Whether she's getting it right or getting it wrong. Here's the thing, I, I want to end with this as well. A lot of people are saying we need to stop using the word Christian and church because it's just, you know, it's been so misrepresented that, you know, you say Christian, you say church, and people immediately just have an idea of what that is. And I think that's, that's disgraceful that we would talk like that. Because just because something has been abused or misrepresented does not change its created value and purpose. Despite what people think a Christian is, the definition of Christian means to be like Jesus. That's it, full stop standard. I am a Christian. Let's talk about the church. Despite what the church has looked like, despite whether it's been abused, misrepresented, misunderstood, you know, whether leadership have made the biggest mistakes, whatever it is, who cares? The church has created value and purpose is still the same. And Jesus is still building his church. So I cannot take offense at something and go and try and build something external to the church and think that I'm actually serving Jesus because it's a lie. That's why when it comes to church planting, and this is what we'll talk more about next week in terms of the, the dream of God and what he wants to do, but it doesn't make sense to me that if God calls you to Johannesburg, you come here and plant a church when there's thousands of other churches all over the place. It's a disgrace because we're coming in and we're actually saying, you guys are all just, you've missed it and you're wrong and I'm gonna do it better, so I'll start. Rather than saying, this is the church and the bride that's been established here in a city. If God's called me here, it's to serve them. People who think like this, you're gonna to begin to see cities where churches come together and suddenly it's not just a whole bunch of little individual brands. The city church gets together to actually shake cities, 
to turn cities upside down. See, we've lost that because it's become so self-centered that we've missed the dream of God. The dream of God is not a whole bunch of little churches that have their own brand that are just stealing people from other churches and there's so much transfer growth that the way that the churches grow is that actually when you've had enough of that flavor, come over here and I've got something fresh. We're not building anything. We're creating the same consumer-driven cycle, the same consumer-driven mindset in cities. And that's why we're not seeing Joburg flipped upside down. There are thousands of churches in the city and Joburg looks worse than it ever did. We've got to ask ourselves a big question and say, what does it mean to be the church? Let's begin to do that. Let's begin to inspire that, that when other people from other churches meet us, they want to be a part of something bigger than just our little brand. We actually want to get together and change things. We want to dream. We want to pray together. We want to get the remnant of, of, of hungry, laid down lovers, get them together and begin to pray and trust God to change our city, to change our nation. I get excited because when society starts to do this, that's generally when revival happens. If you go and look at history, when things started to get real dark and real glim, suddenly there's a remnant of people that get together and begin to cry out for more, and they begin to become something through the local church. And as the local church begins to rise up, revival starts to happen. And so I want to encourage you that God is doing something massive. He's doing it. And you can, you can be a part of that if you want to, because he's, He is so desperate to do this with His sons and daughters. That's the only way He wants to do it. But He's given you the choice. I don't want to be somebody that's on the sidelines while God makes history. I want to be a vessel of refreshment for the bride. I want to equip the bride with the fire of the gospel. I want to make disciples in every nation. I want to plant churches. I want to see 24-7 reproduce the culture of heaven. I want to see a church that models something where it's not about the venue and whether we have sound or not. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter about any of that. It's a group of people that are in love with Jesus that are becoming a demonstration, a representation of God. That's the church. And so this morning, I hope that there's been a perspective change in your heart. And this is what I want to encourage you with. If you'll, if you'll allow this to happen, the next two weeks are going to be a total transformation in your life. You've got to go into this week and you've got to sit on this. Go onto the website, listen to this again and go through this and, and build this inside of you because not many people think like this. Who are you surrounding yourself with that's talking the same language? Make sure that as a family, we're talking the same language. Listen to the stuff. Chew on the stuff. Make notes. Make more notes. Go over those notes. Get, get into the secret place with Jesus. That just made me think of one thing I wanted to share with everyone. Some of you are probably struggling with clarity on the vision of God for your life. There's been a season where a lot of people... They know that God's called them to something. There's something stirring inside of them. There's a hunger and a, and a desire. There's a tension between desire and pursuit. When we stay in between the two, there's a tension. You become frustrated. You become stagnant because you're not moving anywhere. What do I mean by this? Every single one of you have a desire in your heart to know Jesus, to be used by Jesus. You were created for it. Whether you think that right now or not, deep inside of you, it's there. But if you sit in this place between desire and pursuit and you don't take the desire and translate it into a pursuit of Jesus, you stay stagnant and you become stinky because you think you have an opinion about everything and you develop a political spirit. But if you take the desire that God's placed inside of you, the only requirement, and you translate that desire into a pursuit of Jesus, which costs you everything, you begin to make time every day to be intimate with Him. When that starts to happen, Clarity on the vision of God for your life comes from that secret place. If things are taking away from that, you'll probably find that you're in a place where you don't have clarity on the vision of God for your life because he's calling you back to the secret place. Your yes to Jesus was first and foremost a yes to the secret place with him. And the devil knows if he can get, a, if he can get the people of God so distracted and so preoccupied that they have no time for the secret place, he can cloud their vision and they become ineffective. So I want to encourage you, listen to this sermon again. Go through these things, write notes, but get in the secret place with Jesus and say, God, you've strategically placed me in this family for a reason. Bring clarity on the vision of God on my life. What have you called me to do? It blows my mind that we, little 24-7 church, have got a guy in Netherlands. I don't know if you remember Gabriel. We prayed for him. He's in the Netherlands. He's been sending me feedback. That nation is crying out for God. We've got people going to Thailand, going to Malaysia, Nepal. Botswana, we've a second church plant in Botswana already. 
And for some of you, it breaks my heart as you sit here and that doesn't even move you because you're not a part of it. Because you sat there and you've watched people build something that you want to call your Christian life. Get involved. Get in the game. You're a game changer. I love you guys to bits. I love this church. I love our leaders. I want to honor our leaders because they've put the flag in the ground and they've stood for something. Let's make sure that we're not building an institution. Let's build the family of God. Let's get a fresh perspective from Jesus. Let's let him adjust and change things and shape us and mold us so that we begin to see the church for who she is. And let's realize that we are so valuable that every single one of us are part of the body. We're a part of the body that nobody else is. And so when you're not there, we're missing something. But when we're all together in fullness, we can be active, we can be strong. Our muscles grow, our bones grow. We extend, we have more reach. And then next week, we're gonna talk about what it means to be the church and we're gonna get more practical on how we're gonna actually do that as a community. Is that okay? Everybody all good? Cool. Shall we stand? I believe that there's two things that are happening this morning if you'll let it happen. If you'll, if you'll open yourself to Holy Spirit, this is what He wants to do right now. Number one, He wants to reconnect you with the story and dream of God. He wants to remind you and actually show you that you were born for something a whole lot more than your situation and your circumstance. But that you're a part of something that counts for eternity. It's way bigger than you and your little life. And the second thing is that he wants to show you this morning why you've been strategically placed in this family. And he wants to give you clear vision and clear perspective that you fit here perfectly and that there's something for you to give, there's something for you to offer, there's something for you to build in this family. I'll give you a good example. You know, when our family have Christmas gatherings, we get together, sometimes my dad will come to me and say, Con, your responsibility is to make sure everybody has drinks. Now, I don't know about you, but I hate that job. Because trying to remember everybody's drinks and all that is quite a submission for me. I don't multitask very well. But here's the thing. I do it because I'm passionate about family. I do it because I actually want my family to enjoy family time. And if everybody has a job, my dad might be doing the braai. This leadership ladder thing, we've got to be careful where we, you know, we, we're, I'm called to be a braai master. So I'm going to work my way up from the top. I'm serving drinks now, but one day I'll get there. That's nonsense. Everybody's got a job and something to, something to do in the family, but guess why? Because we just want the family to enjoy themselves. We actually want to have a good time together. So if I have to come here and set our tables and chairs, or if I have to sweep the floors or set the coffee up or clean toilets or whatever it is, what a joy. I'm not doing that going, well, one day I'll get the pulpit. No, what I'm actually doing is saying, whatever it is that God's called me to do, whatever doors He's opening for me to serve the church with, what a joy. That's family think that way. And if you don't think that way, you're probably approaching it as a restaurant. Because if I was to go to a restaurant and the guy came through and said, hey man, I heard you're pretty good at serving drinks. Um, there's a tray and there's a cloth. If you could just handle that for me, that would be great. I'd be going, what the heck? I'm paying not to do that. If you're approaching church that way, you probably find you get offended when you actually have to serve or you struggle with it. So I believe that right now, Holy Spirit wants to show you and give you a clear vision on actually that you fit, that you belong here and that God's called you to do something significant. And of course, we want you to be in your passions. We want you to do the things that God's placed inside of you. But we value something above everything else and that's the presence of Jesus and the family of God. Cool, lift your hands. Holy Spirit, I just ask this morning that you would just awaken us to the dream of God and the story of God. What you are doing in, in our homes, in our families, in our city, in South Africa as a nation, in the continent of Africa and across to the rest of the nations, Lord God, show us the dream of God. 
God, I thank you that you would reconnect us. If we've disconnected ourselves, would you reconnect us into that place where we lay down our own dreams, where we lay down our own plans, where we lay down our own strategies and our own systems and our own programs and whatever our opinions and agendas. We lay it all down and we say, God, would you give us your vision? Would you give us your dream that we can begin to see what you're building and that we can be a part of that because it counts for eternity, Lord. Father, I also want to pray this morning that as a local church, you would come and so adjust our hearts, that you would adjust our perspectives, Lord God, that we would begin to see and realize that we have been placed in a family because we belong, that we've been placed in a family because we're called to mature, we're called to grow up into Him, we're called to become more and more like you. The whole point of this thing is to become more and more like Jesus. We can't do that with our family. And so God, if we have neglected gathering together, if we have not made family a priority, we repent this morning, Lord. We repent, we change our hearts, we change our perspectives and we say, God, we wanna be a part of what you're doing. We wanna value what you value. We wanna see the, the priorities of eternity, Lord God. And we wanna make them the priorities in our lives. God, I pray that you would show every single one of us that there is clear vision that there is a clear vision for everything that you've called us to, that every single individual in this room right now has been placed here because they've got something to express, they've got something to give, they've got something to add to this beautiful picture that nobody else can. We wanna build a family that begins to look like you in every expression, Lord God, a beautiful picture of diversity and unity. Every aspect of your personality revealed in the local church because of the expressions within your children, Lord God. What a beautiful picture, Lord Jesus. We see your church for who she is, Lord God. We see the bride the way that you see her this morning, and what a joy that we get to be a part of that. I have such a sense this morning that there's a spirit of revival that God wants to impart. But it starts with a repentance. I actually feel like there's such a sense of repentance in this room where maybe you've been an externally motivated Christian and you've developed this tension between desire and pursuit and it's become stagnant and stinky. And suddenly there's this place where you, you've got all these opinions and, and all these ideas and whatever, but, but you know that it's not healthy. You know that there's no depth of relationship, that the Christian life is not a reality in your own life. The, the internal spiritual realities of God are not real to you. I feel like there's a, there's a place this morning for repentance. There's a place this morning to posture your life and say, God, I surrender. He's not asking you to fix yourself. He's asking you to surrender and say, God, come and have all of me. Come and change my heart, change my mind, change my thoughts, change my perspective. Make me aware of what you're doing, Lord Jesus. I want to be a part. I want to be the yes, Lord God, to your promises. So I want to encourage you, I believe in response. If you're here this morning and you feel that there's a repentance in your heart, that you actually just want to say, God, I repent. I repent from the way that I was thinking. I repent from the way that I've been living. I want to come and live in the new and living way, Lord God. If that's you this morning, I'm not talking about salvation. I'm talking about a change of heart. If that's you, I want you to come to the front and just respond. The gospel is an all-out thing for me, and so I don't believe in put your hand up and close your eyes. I believe in come to the front and just yield, surrender. Just let the Holy Spirit do this work in your heart this morning. I also just see that there's been such an attack on, on people in the sense that he's trying to preoccupy lives. There's been a lot of situations, tough situations, things that are coming out of the blue, distractions and situations and hard times. And all of it is just to take away from the perspective of heaven. All of it is just to cloud your vision. This morning, you might be going through some rough stuff. This morning, you might, have, you might be in the middle of a storm. And you might be in the boat where Jesus is right there with you and you're freaking out. And the reality is Jesus is saying, I'm in total control. The storm is not shaking me. And he wants to open your eyes to the authority that you carry. He wants to open your hearts to receive the dream of God for your life.
If He's got a plan and a purpose for you, He's also got provision for you. He's also got protection for you. So I just pray for a, just that heavy burden, that weight, just lifted off of people, Lord God, that are struggling, that are going through difficult situations. God, I thank you for your love that just so consumes them, so possesses them this morning, that every lie, every distraction just falls away, that they can see the brilliance of your glory. Be captivated by you this morning, Lord Jesus. for the people that are in front, I'm not gonna like lead you through anything. I just want you to just pour your hearts out. Repentance is just a heart thing where you're saying, Lord, I don't wanna live the way that I've been living. I don't wanna be stuck in the things that I was stuck in or thinking the way that I was thinking. Would you come? I surrender, I yield, I give you everything. Rip the no out of me, God. Come and release the holy roar of Holy Spirit inside of me. Become the yes within me, Lord Jesus, to everything that you've called me to. Just begin to, in your own words, just begin to cry out to Jesus and just posture yourself in a place of surrender. Thank you, Lord Jesus. 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 I just pray right now, Holy Spirit, for an impartation of hunger across this room right now, Lord. God, pour out hunger in every single heart, in every single soul, Lord Jesus, a hunger and a thirst for more of you, Lord God, that there would be men and women of God that are just hungry after God. Nothing else matters. Nothing can contain us. Nothing can hold us back, but that there'd be a hunger and a thirst in us for more of you, Lord Jesus, that you would raise up a group of people that would hunger and thirst after you and begin to pray for revival, Lord God, begin to release revival, begin to become revival everywhere that we go, Lord God that Sunday mornings and home group meetings wouldn't be enough. We wanna see the outpouring of Holy Spirit change our community, Lord. So as a family and as a community, God, change our hearts, change our perspective. Drench us in the oil of your presence that our every moment would drip, would drip, Lord Jesus, of your goodness, of your power, of your love everywhere that we go, that we would be so saturated in the oil of heaven, that the Holy Spirit would so reign in our lives, that Jesus, you would be glorified, you would be magnified, you would be exalted in our lives and in this community, Lord God, that 24-7 church would be known as a church that live truly as the church, the body of Christ, that exalt their head. We point everyone to Jesus Christ, that you would advance your kingdom through us.